guys? This is Adam Shamim. Welcome back to the Hey Man podcast. Before we start, I wanted to shout out to all my uh, Jewish friends. Um, hope you guys are enjoying your holiday, uh, and hope I, I hope you guys are enjoying your day off. Um, and uh, yeah, let's just hop straight into it. Welcome to episode fourteen of the Hey Man podcast. Um, I just found out today that uh, I'm officially on podcasts so that means i'm on spotify apple podcasts um and some other side i forgot but uh it's a dream come true honestly i didn't think it would get to apple podcasts but uh, i'm grateful for it um so thank you to you guys um so for today's episode i have one of my best friends in the world um he was on episode uh 10 uh ufc talk well which was a fun episode that we did with my boy kieran shout out to him uh, here is my guy Eric Monahan. So, uh, Eric, um, uh, how how you been, bro? Hey, yo, what's going, man? Uh, I've been doing good. Uh, what about yourself, man? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm doing great, man. Um, MLB postseason's about to start. Um, you know, just uh, you know, school's obviously going on, and uh, and you know, it's it, it's it's honestly chill. You know, nothing nothing too crazy, and um, you know, I'm just enjoying life. So. Yeah, it's all it's all blessed. Um, so I was actually just planning to do NBA talk because the finals are coming up. But you know, Saturday was UFC two fifty three, and I feel like we should cover that for a little bit. Yeah, so yeah, that's true. So the light heavyweight championship matchup was uh, for the vacant light heavyweight championship. It was the co-main event it was between Dominic Reyes, who we remember. Um, I forgot which uh, UFC it was, but he, UFC 247, I believe, he fought John Jones for the world championship, and he lost the fight by decision, but a lot of people thought he should have won that fight, so here he is getting his his uh, his his opportunity again, going up against Jan Blachowicz, legendary Polish power. Um, this was the biggest fight in uh, Polish MMA history, um, and this was a very good matchup. Um, you know, on paper, um, it could have gone either way, but Jan Blachowicz, uh knocks out Dominic Reyes in second round and wins the light heavyweight championship. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I feel like, you know, Dominic Reyes is like a harder champion, but like I feel like Jan had the better. Uh, you know. Jan's kicking. Uh, let me get that. Let me get started with that. Jan's kicking power is insane. Yeah, I don't know if you saw yeah. the replays or anything like that, but when he threw a body shot or a kick shot to the body, Dominic Reyes was bruising up so badly to- near the ribcage area. And I feel like that was one of the main reasons why Dom Reyes was kind of slowing down in the later rounds. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely think that too. I, I like the body kicks. He's uh, like Jan Blachowicz established the body kicks. Um, you know he was getting some good combinations. Um, he has this combination where he just he just goes like he just pushes forward. You know he has the pressure um, aspect, and uh, I think for me I, I I wanted Dom Reyes to win because I did think that he won the John Jones fight. Um, and you know, I think he deserved it because, you know, he's been working hard. Um, but I think he underestimated the power, the legendary Polish power, as my boy Philip would say, um, of Jan Blachowicz and, uh, Jan Blachowicz after the fight calls out John Jones, you know, in typical fashion, because, you know, John Jones, you know, never fought Jan Blachowicz, never defended his title against Jan Blachowicz when 
Jan called him out. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I think Jan Mahovic has the potential to be uh, a great champion, you know, in the upcoming uh, in the upcoming years. Yeah, and another fight I want to go to is the featherweight fight. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, Dawudu versus uh, Takugov. That was, yeah. that was a good fight, in my opinion. That was yeah. a really good fight. Yeah, that was the first fight on the main card. Um, and that Dawudu guy, he he has um, I think he has an excellent combination of striking. Um, I think he is kind of a wrestler, but he didn't really show it. I think his striking was good. He was he was losing first few round uh like first round, second round could have gone either way. But you know, third round he was just showing up. He was pressuring um to Kugov and you know he was he was kind of taunting him you know telling him to come at him and and you know it was it was it was really um it was it was really it was really cool to see I think this guy has a potential to be a contender for a very long time and uh yeah Tukugov had Khabib in his corner um but you know it was mostly striking fight so um he didn't really have you know the wrestling coaching as much as he would have liked to I guess but um yeah it was a good fight um and uh yeah definitely definitely two up and coming stars it was a good fight um so now main event um one of the most anticipated one of the most anticipated fights of the whole year um one of the biggest like beefs in UFC history in my opinion um we had the the absolute monster of a challenger from Brazil Paulo Costa coming into the fight undefeated um, just destroying guys, anybody that the UFC put in front of him. And then we have Israel Adesanya, the uh, middleweight champion, came into the fight 19-0. and um, And he had the hype behind him. He had all of the world watching him. And uh, he delivered with a second-round knockout. So uh, what were your thoughts on the fight? Uh, I feel like, you know, being a really big Adesanya fan um... – I felt like he proved to the world that he's not a joke. And I feel like he proved to the world that he can be a big champion in the big leagues. Like my boy Connor, like my boy John Jones, trying to start off, you know, the Nigerian style with Karo Usman. But I could I, I could have seen Paulo Costa win in the fight just because, you know, he looks like as Israel Adesanya said, doesn't matter like the body shape as long as you have the intensity of the fight. And I feel like Costa really didn't have that intensity. I feel like he was just showing off to everybody, saying, "Hey, yeah. look at me. You know, I'm more muscular. Hey, look at me. I- I'm more tough." Like I felt yeah. like he was just being a little too cocky in that fight, and he got popped with the combination, and he got dropped. And I felt like that was the main reason why he lost I'm not gonna say anything else just because i feel like you know adesanya proved the world that you know he's big and he called out dana white saying that 30 percent is not enough and i agree with him adesanya is becoming a big star it's time to pay him yeah no doubt about that i feel like it's just um he's really approaching superstar status and you know paulo costa was just like he was taunting Adesanya the whole fight. And, you know, I was saying to myself, like, he's just asking to get knocked out, really. And in my opinion, I feel like he, uh, Paulo Costa, you know, he should have used his, his hands a lot more, should have used his power, you know, to try and, you know, like, 
be the aggressor and, and trying to get the finish. Um, you know, he was kicking a lot. You know, he was getting some good body shots in there, but, you know, they didn't really do much to Adesanya. And, um, you know, he he was, you know, realizing later towards the fight, you know, I need to try and knock this guy out, but it didn't really work. He got knocked out. Um, and honestly, I see him getting a title shot maybe next year, maybe two years. Um, we're going to have to see because this middleweight division is stacked. Um, but before I get to that, you know, the, ne- the next uh, challenger for, um, for Izzy's title, you know, Dana White, um, or actually Israel Asanya told Dana White, you know, 30% is not enough um, be- um, because a lot of um, the fighters on Israel Asanya's team, they faced fighters who missed weight and they only got 30% taken away from their, you know, fight pay. And, you know, I feel like Israel Asanya was right because 30% is not enough. It'll encourage, you know, fighters to, to miss weight easily, you know, and if, if they get 90% taken out of their, their purse, then, you know, it'll make fighters, you know, really be focused on making the weight. So uh, what do you think about like that whole situation? Uh, I don't really have a big take on that situation, but you know, with the weight, the whole weight situation, I feel like, you know, it shouldn't be a thing. It shouldn't be a thing where you have to cut weight. It shouldn't be a thing where you have to, you know, gain that much weight. You feel me? Because yeah. that takes a big toll out of all the fighters. Um, I don't know if you uh, know this, but uh, Chris Cyborg actually uh, had to lose so much weight because oh, yeah. she yeah. couldn't fight people at her own weight. So she had to do all these trainings, all these procedures to cut the weight by doing all these extreme, extreme bathing things where she had to bathe in like a hundred plus degree water and like had to sweat off all the weight. And I just don't agree with cutting weight because it's not healthy because it doesn't, it's not actually losing the weight. Yeah. Like help more health in the healthy way. It's yeah, basically I, doing this in like two seconds and then you're done. And then you're like either dehydrated or feeling sick, nauseous, all that. And you just feel weak. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I feel like the UFC should have like, like more like range of like what weight you should be at. Because you, like for some fighters, like it shows like they're not going to get at that that limit you know they're not going to get at that that weight like for example someone fighting at 145 is the featherweight division they might be like 150 something i feel like the ufc i feel like the ufc should be fine with that if it's like a big difference then i feel like you should you know punish them for that but i feel like there should be a little bit of a range of what weight you should be at for that specific weight class and um yeah israel's right you know and a lot of a lot of his team were going up against fighters who missed weight, um, and and that clearly wasn't fair. So so yeah, definitely. Um, that that's a whole situation that, you know, it probably get talked about, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens with it. Um, so in the middleweight division, right? Um, UFC two fifty four, the co-main event, we got Robert Whitaker, number one contender. We just beat Darren Till, um, on Fight Island, the last uh, Fight Island stint. 
He's going up against uh, a fan favorite, Jerry. What do you, what do you think about that matchup, and um, you know how 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 both of those guys can match up to Adesanya? Um, you know, if we see either one go against Adesanya, I feel like it's going to be a test for Adesanya because Robert Whitaker, you know, lost to Adesanya via KO, so I feel like you know Whitaker would have to prove something to himself and to the world saying to them, like, I have to knock him out. Like, that's the only way I can truly win. And uh, with uh, Jared, I feel like, you know, Adesanya is going to have a lot of work to do if Jared and uh, him go back to back with each other and uh, fight against each other. And I just feel like, you know, either one is going to be a really hard challenge for both sides. You feel me? Definitely. Um, and last question before we go to the next topic. Um, so Israel Adesanya, obviously middleweight champion. He's 20-0. and um, He has a total of 100 wins through his uh, martial arts career. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that he can reach um, Anderson Silva level? Because Anderson Silva, when he was a middleweight champion, he had 14 straight title defenses or something like that. Um, do you think Israel Adesanya can reach that, like, Anderson Silva level. I was watching uh, their older fight uh, earlier today, and uh, I, I saw uh, both of them fight, and I saw their styles. It's very similar, like very, very, very. But I just don't see anyone like Prime Silva. Nah, because Prime Silva was like, you know, the it factor. Like he got he finished people just like that, and I feel like Adesanya doesn't have that intensity to finish people just like that and Silva is one of my favorite fighters of all time hands down and uh I don't I don't really see uh I don't really see him doing that yeah I mean it'll be interesting to see you know they'll see if him see if he can try and get up to that level you know they're like Israel Asanya looked up to um Anderson Silva and they have a lot of respect for each other it, it definitely be interesting to see if he can live up to that legacy but you know, Adesanya is trying to become just himself. You know, last style bender. You know, knock people out with style, dancing before he gets to the octagon. You know, it's, he's he's really just changing the sport. And before we get to the next topic, I also just want to say, I do recommend watching the UFC because it's super entertaining. Um, it's a lot of respect shown, mostly between both fighters, and and I personally think that. Um, if you watch, you're you're gonna get hooked immediately. And let me just say one thing, you know how uh, John Jones is trying to make his move up to heavyweight, right? Yeah. How do you feel he would do in heavyweight? Honestly, for John Jones going up to heavyweight, I feel like he could have some success against, you know, some of the people lower in the heavyweight division, like. Like, if he went up against Curtis Blades or if he went up against Derek Lewis, like, I would take John Jones. But, like, if he went up against, like, Francis Ngannou, that's when it's, like, like that's when it's different, like, when you get higher up the rankings. Um, in my opinion, I don't think he can beat Stipe Miocic. But, honestly, John Jones, if he somehow won the heavyweight championship, I think that – now, DC obviously won light heavyweight championship and the heavyweight championship, so – 
if John Jones wins the heavy, heavyweight championship, he'll basically have done the same thing as Daniel Cormier. But in my opinion, I think John Jones is just adding to his legacy if he uh, somehow, you know, had success in like uh, in the heavyweight division. Um, so it'll definitely be interesting to see how he does there. Um, and let me just say this real quick: the yeah. fight I would want to see John Jones do is against Alistar Overeem. That would be okay. a huge they, fight. They be they have very similar styles, and you know they're they both they're both legends in the sport, like around 2010. So yeah, that would definitely be a fun fight to watch. Um, and and I'd be interested to see that. So now we shift gears to the basketball world, the NBA, the bubble. You know how it is, and. We finally have our finals matchup, and this is a finals matchup that a lot of people did not expect. People expected the Western Conference champion, L.A. Lakers, to go to the finals, but nobody expected the fifth-seeded Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat, go to the NBA Finals. So let's start with the Lakers, right? The Lakers this past offseason picked up, obviously, Anthony Davis, um, and then they surrounded you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis with, you know, good pieces. And we saw the emergence of, you know, a lot of their, a lot of their role players. And then January hits and obviously Kobe unfortunately passed away and then they started to be more motivated and they started to come together around Kobe. Um, and they've created awareness on social issues. They're just a, a very fun team to watch. Um, and honestly, like I'm, they deserve to be in this finals. Uh, it was only a matter of time before LeBron would take the Lakers to the finals, um, and now the moment has finally arrived. Um, what do you think about the Lakers? Um, I'm not a really big Lakers fan, you know. Uh, rest in peace, Kobe and uh, Gianna Bryant. Um, but uh, I feel like, you know, the Lakers are only good because of LeBron eighty. You know, they don't really have – I mean, you could say, you know, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee. That's all big man stuff. I don't really see a guard on their team who's actually contributed a lot towards that team besides LeBron and AD, Dwight Howard, and JaVale. And I feel like, you know, if they really want to make the finals again next year, they got to find that it-factor guard. And – in my opinion, I don't see them as a championship team. I see them as a championship contender. And uh, in order for them to actually go all the way, because they got I, – I feel like the Clippers, in my opinion, are better than the Lakers. That's my opinion. But if they really want to go all in, they need to find that one guard or the two guard or any, and any guard necessarily Definitely. who can be that type of player. I don't see Rondo as that. I don't see Danny Green. I don't see Caruso. You know, I just don't see anybody on that team who can actually be that type of player. Yeah, I definitely, I, I, I definitely see your point there. Um, I think, I think their their guards have have done have played their roles right, but none of them have like emerged as stars. So I definitely see your point there. Um, let's talk about the Miami Heat. So the Miami Heat. Picks up Jimmy Butler in the offseason. Um, and then they drafted Tyler Hero um, in the first round of last year's draft, which was, as you can see, an amazing pick. Then they 
picked up um, Duncan Robinson. Or I, I don't remember if Duncan Robinson was on the team last year or he was just on the team this year, but they have Duncan Robinson. Um, they signed Kendrick Nunn, um, and they built a good bench, um, good supporting cast around Jimmy Butler. Um, and they were the fifth seed in the playoffs, and they swept the Indiana Pacers. They 4 one my, unfortunately, Milwaukee Bucks. And then... It was a good series. They fortuned the Boston Celtics, and now here they are in the NBA Finals. Um, what do you think about this Heat team that's just had a sensational season? Up oh, man, I love the Miami Heat. You know, uh, I grew up with the Miami Heat. Uh, you know, those days, 2006, Shaq and Kobe. Oh, not Shaq and Kobe. What am I saying? Shaq and Wade. Oh, And, uh, you know, uh, growing up with the, you know, you know the Pistons, like you know the bad, like the bad boys. You know, yeah. like the Miami Heat with LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. They were the bad boys of that era, and I love watching all of them play in the last decade. And uh, you know, I feel like this Miami Heat team this year really has that it factor to get it done. They have veterans like Andre Iguodala. They have Jay Crowder, who've had playoff experience, Iguodala winning the playoffs with, you know, the Warriors. Um, we have Jimmy Butler, who I believe is going to be LeBron's hardest task because LeBron, you know, he's had people that, you know, got, have guarded him really well, but I feel like Jimmy Butler just got to clamp him up. Uh, AD's going to have a challenge with Bam Adebayo. Um... You know, the Miami Heat have guards who can actually play entire Harrow. Uh, you got Duncan Robinson, Kendrick Nunn. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like their team overall just knows how to play and just, like, you know, pass the ball. It's not like two people doing all the work for their team. It's everybody contributing. Yeah, and I and we actually left out – Gordon Drogic for the Miami Heat, like oh yeah, like, Gordon Drogic is a key factor too. I forgot about Gordon Drogic. But yeah, I mean, it's just the team just as a whole contributes. Like they pass the ball so well, they they shoot so well. Like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, they're almost like automatic. Like when they shoot from three, their defense. Like you got Jimmy Butler getting steals like at ease. Like Bam Adebayo, you remember that block he had against Jason Tatum in the in that series, um, and he's rebounding, he's providing energy, and honestly, it's they they play like they have a chip on their shoulder because I I think most to all of their players have had like a chip on their shoulder. They've been slept on, like Jimmy Butler was under recruited in high school. He was homeless at one point, and now here he is competing in his first finals. Um, Bam Adebayo, he grew up, I believe, through poverty um, with a single mother. Um, you know, players like Tyler Hero, when he committed to Kentucky, he was doubted. Um, he was even hated by his home state of Wisconsin. And then Duncan Robinson going from D3 to Michigan to the G League and now to the NBA where he's making a name for himself. Um, Kendrick Nunn, undrafted. Uh, now he, he was in the running for Rookie of the Year. I mean, it, it, it's really a compelling story, and I think personally they deserve to be in the finals. Uh, they're they're well coached by Eric Spolstra. They have an amazing 
uh, front office led by Pat Riley. Um, it's just really amazing to see. Um, and, I, and I think you can agree with me on this. This finals is truly stars versus slept on players. I can agree with that. A hundred percent. I feel like, you know, the Miami Heat was slept on all this year. It was all talk about the Bucks, the Celtics, the Raptors, including, uh, you know, the Miami Heat really didn't get that credit because they had to fight their way up in such a hard, hard conference. Uh, and I feel like they proved that, you know, they're worthy of being that top team. Yeah, I, I mean – the Heat started the season really, really strongly, and then they were kind of on and off. But then the playoffs, like the bubble, it just it showed you know that anything could happen. And the Heat just showing out, beating the Bucks was was amazing in itself. But then, like making kind of easy work with the with that Celtics team, like that's that's impressive in itself. So, I personally feel like they deserve to be in the finals. Um, Three time champions. Um, you know, Rick Ross, DJ Khaled, they're all – Dwayne Wade, they're all excited back in Miami. So, um, I mean, there's a lot riding in this – there's a lot riding on this series. And, I mean, let's let's just analyze this matchup. So, we have LeBron and Jimmy Butler. So, you know Jimmy Butler is probably going to be guarding LeBron most of the time. Um, how do you see that matchup playing out? Uh, it's going to be a hell of a – hell of a matchup. Um. You know, Jimmy Butler is like a really tough, tough player. And uh, I see LeBron and Jimmy not really scoring that much points in the series, but contributing a lot to, you know, AD and Bam, Harrow, all the, all the, all the other players. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Definitely. And also, you know, we talk about, we talk about AD. He's probably going to go up against Bam. Now, AD is, like, near seven foot. Bam Adebayo is more of, like, a power forward. Like, he's a center in a power forward's body. Um, so what does Bam Adebayo need to do to shut down Anthony Davis? Uh, you know, he's got to lock up. He's got to lock up. Uh, Bam and AD have, like, similar playing styles. You know, they can both shoot three. They're both good post scorers. Uh, I feel like you know, the key thing, the key thing that they both can do is shoot the three. Because I feel like the paint has got to be locked up with the Miami Heat and the Lakers both having that locked up. Because, you know, LeBron and AD are more of like paint people. But uh, I feel like it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard. I will say that for Bam and AD to actually contribute. Cause you know it's gonna be hard in general for both teams to score on each other. It's just gonna, we're it's gonna come down to see who has like the more of a grit. You feel me? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's gonna be a defensive battle, that's for sure. Uh, both coaches, Frank Vogel for the Lakers, Eric Spolster for the Heat. You know they they really encourage that defensive mentality and and you know de- defensive battles can be pretty awesome to see. You know both teams, you know getting steals. You know, getting in the passing lanes, locking each other up. I mean, it's gonna be definitely a, a great series. Um, and who do you see as the X factor for each of these teams? Like the Lakers and the Heat. You know, they have a lot of slept on players. So, so who do you who do you think is the X factor for the Lakers to start off? I feel like it's gonna be AD. AD is gonna be the X factor for the Lakers, and uh, I feel like 
um, you know, he's going to have to prove himself worthy of kind of being reliable. And uh, I feel like if the Lakers don't win this year, then AD is going to have some thinking of the offseason. Like, you know, is this the team I should play for? And I feel like AD is going to have to be that guy to do it all in the finals. LeBron, you know, hell of a player, hell of a player, uh, gone to almost 10 straight finals, if I'm correct. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's going to come down to AD uh, having to shine and uh, work his way through the tough obstacle of the Miami Heat. And then who do you who do you think is the X factor for the Heat? X factor for the Heat, in my opinion, will be the guards. Uh, Tyler Harrow will have to uh, ball out. I don't know if he's going to come off the bench or if he's going to start, but uh, he would have to absolutely dominate. Um, and honestly, uh, Jimmy Buckets and uh, Ben Montebio are going to have to uh, really, really, really work through by uh, clamping up both AD and LeBron. Uh, definitely, definitely. I, it's just going to be, uh, it's really going to be a, uh, um, I feel like in this series, it's going to be like one player carrying the team to victory. Like maybe one game, like Tyler Hero comes off the bench and he drops 37, like he did that one, that one game against the Celtics. Um, so if you were coaching both the teams, like what's your, what is your strategy, you know, going into the series? If I was Coach Spo, uh, to lock up to defensively lock up on all the players, I would do more of like a zone type play, you know, three two type zone, or no two three type zone, yeah. you know, two up two up in the two up at the three and uh, three up down below, because you know the Lakers aren't known for shooting that much threes, neither are the Miami Heat, but they are known for scoring a lot in the paint, the Lakers. So I will assume that. Coach Spo will try to, you know, have the paint all covered up just so there are no openings or any gaps for LeBron to drive in and get that easy lay or the dunk or AD to do an easy layup or hook shot. And if I was uh, uh, the Lakers coach, I would, uh, you know, kind of say to myself, well, who's going to be that one guy who's got to shine for the Miami Heat in this series. And, you know, he's not going to be – I feel like game one will go to Miami Heat, and then the Lakers will have to try to figure out a plan to say, hey, we got to guard up on this one guy so he doesn't keep doing this every single game. And in my opinion, I see the series going uh, to game six and the Heat taking it 4-2. Um, for me, I'll just I'll just answer my own question. If I'm the Miami Heat, I'm trying to throw different looks at the Lakers. I'm trying to make them confused. Maybe throw a lot of throw a lot of double teams on LeBron uh, and AD. Um, I think they have to win the bench battle. They have to have you know Tyler Hero showing out. They have to have Andre Iguodala, you know, showing the winning mentality. Um, you know, Kelly Kelly Olynyk he plays some minutes and he, he could potentially, you know, be, be a nice player off the bench. And uh, Kendrick Nunn, who, you know, he, he hasn't been playing that much recently because he, you know, Tyler Hero has just been amazing. Um, but, you know, let, let's see if we can get him going, you know? Um, yeah. If I'm, and, uh, if I may say something, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah. But 
if the Lakers wanted, you know, kind of be that team to like, yo, we're going all in. I can see the Lakers playing LeBron at the guard. Uh, you know, he has experience playing at the guard position. And they might want to do like a bigger, like a bigger lineup, you know, having LeBron at the one or two. Uh maybe playing Kuzma at the three, having A A D or and or uh Dwight Howard play both power forward and center. And I feel like it's gonna be a really, really tough task if the Lakers decide to go with a bigger lineup. If I'm the Lakers coach, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make LeBron the primary ball handler. Um, I think people need to start setting screens for each other. You need to get AD in matchups where he can, you know, rise up and, and make a play, you know, get fouled, fadeaway jumper. Um, I'm trying to get Danny Green involved. Let's see if he can um, make the threes when he needs to. KCP as well. Um, Dwight Howard needs to be that, that irritant. Um, he needs to, he was trying to get under Nikola Jokic's skin in the Western Conference Finals. Let's see if he can try and get under Bam Adebayo's skin now um, when he potentially comes off the bench. Um, you have players like Alex Caruso, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Rondo on that bench. So you need to get them involved. Um, they need to play, They need to be amazing, especially defensively. Um, Kuzma needs to be a scorer. Um, and honestly, if the Lakers can have all of their players play their roles, um, I could see them winning in maybe seven. Um, and it's definitely going to be a series that comes down to execution and just making the right plays and doing the right thing. Um, who's your finals MVP prediction for for each team? If they Lakers, win? I'm going to say AD. And for the Miami Heat, I'm going to have to say either Bam Adebayo or Jimmy Buckets. If I'm going to if I'm going to give my prediction for the Lakers, I think if they win the championship, I think I have a feeling that they're probably going to give it to LeBron just because you know, it's kind of routine at this point if he wins the finals, he's probably going to get finals MVP. I feel like AD is going to have a big series. I see like 26 to 28 points per game. Um now here's now here's my prediction for the for the for the Miami Heat. So obviously like expected Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, like they're probably they they probably will win finals MVP. But if I'm going with like someone who maybe people don't think would win finals MVP, I'm going with three players in particular. Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, and Tyler Hero. Now you're thinking, "Oh, Tyler Hero comes off the bench. How is he gonna win finals MVP. Well hear me out. Andre Guadala came off the bench for that Warriors team. Um and because he was producing and because he was defensively stopping LeBron, they gave him finals MVP. So if Tyler Hero could go out there and if he could shoot X amount of threes and make them, if he could play great defensively, if he can make good passes, I don't see why he can't win finals MVP. So honestly a lot of a lot of different options for that. Um, before we go, um, I mean, what is just your general thoughts on the NBA bubble? Um, and what 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 was your favorite moment that you watched in the NBA bubble? Um, my thoughts of the NBA bubble is, you know, it's a start. 
it's a start to uh, getting the NBA back into shape. And uh, hopefully in the future we can see, uh, you know, teams getting back into their own arenas and, you know, maybe playing in empty arenas for a while, just get that momentum back, that feeling of playing at their home, in their home stadium, home town, whatever. Uh, and uh, my favorite memory from the bubble is probably, uh, you know, just seeing the fans virtually, you know, interact with the players and just like having a good time in the background, cheering on their teams. And uh, I feel like, you know, if they do go back to the, their uh, actual arenas, they can actually maybe infiltrate and maybe uh, put in some of that virtual things to start with. And hopefully we can get back to uh, fans going back into the garden, like, like yeah. you know, that okay. big atmosphere. And uh, we'll just go step by step. For my thoughts on the NBA bubble, I love that, you know, the level of play has just been amazing. Remember that first-round series, Donovan Mitchell versus Jamal Murray? I mean, that was an absolute show. 50-point games all around. Um, and just shocking upsets, like the Bucks losing and the, the Clippers losing um, and the Heat just making this run. And, you know, the Rockets getting manhandled. I mean, it's just unexpected things, like things you wouldn't expect to happen. I mean, happened. Um, virtual fans, I mean, that's been an amazing thing to see. It just shows also that technology has advanced so much uh, in the past few years. Um, I'll be honest, one of the negatives of the bubble has been the refereeing. I think the refs have been terrible in the bubble. They've just been making questionable calls. We've seen so many coaches' challenges. Um, and, I mean, that that's ruining the game in a little bit. But I also love the fact that, you know, the NBA is putting Black Lives Matter on the map. Um you know, making it known. Uh, I saw LeBron's uh, in post-game interview about Breonna Taylor. That was powerful. Just so many powerful messages on the back of the jerseys as well. And, you know, in interviews and the and the boycott was, was insane. Um, that was one of my favorite moments, the boycott. Um, just showing that change needs to happen now and, you know, go out to vote and all that. Um, you know, that was something that I'd never seen before, you know just players just not playing and, and we potentially wouldn't have gotten to this final series if, you know, all the players decided let's not play. Um, but luckily they decided to play my favorite moment on the court from the bubble. It, it was probably Luka Doncic's game winner um, against the Clippers in that first round series. Um, the reason why is just because, I mean, he was dominating that game. It was just back and forth. Um, you know, he was getting hounded um, you know, the Clippers were clearly trying to get in his head and he had the he had the last laugh for that particular moment. The game winner was a step back shot over Reggie Jackson um, and just celebrating with the Mavericks. They had they didn't have Porzingis that game. Um, and it was just amazing to see. The thing is, when he shot the ball, I knew it was going to go in because, I mean, Luca, Luca deserved that moment. And for that whole day and then the next day, like he was the talk of the NBA, like the talk of the NBA was Luca doing this and Luca doing that and is Luca top five player and is he that um can he lead the Mavericks to championship? Um and that was just amazing to see, you know, young stars showing out, um, like Jamal Murray and like Luka Doncic and Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, um, John Morant, Zion, you know, it, it's it's amazing to see and, and I'm I'm very happy to have witnessed all of that. 
Um, so I'll, thank you guys for um, listening to the podcast. I uh, appreciate all of you guys so much. I appreciate my boy Eric for coming back on the podcast. Um, and everyone, uh, stay safe. Um, and make sure you guys are hydrated and make sure you guys are spending a lot of time with your families and, uh, you know, talking to your friends a lot more, um, and, and just stay positive. Positivity always wins. And, uh, Eric, anything you want to say? Uh, nah, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, everybody just, I hope everybody's doing well during this, uh, situation with the coronavirus. Hope everybody's, uh, happy, staying safe, uh, social distancing for the time matter. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, everything gets back to normal and we can, uh, you know, I'll have, I'll have some fun when we, everything go back to normal. But, uh, yeah, thank you for having me, Adam. Yeah, no problem. Episode 15 coming soon. Everyone have a great rest of your day and, uh, talk to you later. Bye.